today we're going to look at the book of John, and we are looking at chapter 14 and reading verses 15 through 18. It says this, If you love me, you will obey what I command, and I will ask the Father, and he will give you another counselor to be with you forever, the spirit of truth. The world cannot accept him because it neither sees him nor knows him, but you know him, for he lives with you and will be in you. I will not leave you as orphans. I will come to you. Let's pray. Father, we love you so much, and we are so grateful for the promise of your presence in our lives every moment of every day. We thank you, God, that you are with us, that you are an ever-present help in times of trouble. God, that you can bring us joy. God, that you can be our confidence, and that you give us this promise that your Holy Spirit will be with us each day, that you will never leave us. We pray that you would open our word, open your word, and, and let our hearts be open to it. Bless Pastor as he shares today. Let him just sense your touch on his life. And let us, God, be ready to receive what you want to say to each one of us. And we'll thank you for that in Jesus' name. Amen. Those of you who had the privilege of knowing my father will appreciate this story a lot. Uh, when I was a boy, uh, on a few occasions, uh, we went to Florida on a vacation. And we would drive. And this was back in the day uh, before the interstate highways were complete. So you, you spent a lot of time in those days driving on two-lane roads through Kentucky and Tennessee and Georgia. And when you get down to Georgia in those days, as you would drive down these two-lane roads, you would see uh, the chain gangs from the prisons. How many of you remember chain gangs? Raise your hand. If you ever watched Cool Hand Luke, uh, you get kind of a picture of the chain gangs that would be working. You'd see these guys and see the prison guards on their horses and you'd drive by and they'd be out cutting, cutting the weeds. It was, you know, as, a, as an eight, nine-year-old, the picture of the chain gangs was uh, fascinating, uh, terrifying, instructive. You better behave yourself. Uh, you don't want to end up there. And the, the thought would cross my mind, be good or, or else. And, uh, and as we were driving, if I got a bit restless in the car, my dad would say to me, if you don't straighten up, I'm going to drop you off with one of these chain gangs <laughs> and we'll just pick you up on the way back home. Now, I never worried about that too much because mom was in the car. And I would sit in the back and I'd figure, well, if anybody's getting dropped off with a chain gang, it's probably not me. Maybe the driver instead. Have you ever walked through a portion of your life, a time in life, where you felt like you've been dropped off with a chain gang? That the father's kind of draw, driven on and left you behind. A time in life or a period in life when uh, things just aren't going well and fear 
worry, the threats of the enemy seem to surround you instead of the hope and the promises of God. Jesus wants us to know that that is never, ever the case. He has not left us. He will not leave us. He says in this scripture that even when he was going to to heaven and going to go to the throne room of the Father, and they were sad when they heard it, he said, "Don't, don't worry about it. It's good that I'm going. I'm not going to leave you as orphans. I'm going, to send a, I'm going to send a comforter, a helper, someone to be with you. He is not in heaven while we have to slug it out here. He has sent the spirit of truth to be with you. We are not left on our own or simply left here to hold on, bear through it, put up with it. Live with it until he comes again. No, we have the Spirit with us. This is a key message in the writing of Paul. It's a key message of the whole Bible. That, the, that God is not just a God out in the distance observing us and waiting to see how things turn out and whether we live faithfully enough to make it to heaven or not but that he's with us to help us and to give us strength. That he's not left us alone. As we talk about this aspect of powering up, walking in the power of God, walking in the strength that only God can give us, what we're talking about is living life in the Spirit. But we need to understand a little bit about God to to get this right. So what do we need to know about God? Now, normally, what I like to do and what I feel gifted many times to do is is to clarify things, to to help our understanding be better about something. But I want to tell you today, we're, we're talking about an unknowable concept. When you go home today, I hope I hope you can say, okay, I, I get what Pastor said. I get it. I get it. I, I don't understand it. Because I'm telling you, I'm telling you what it is, I don't understand it. God's just way too big. And, and he's just way too different than us for us to comprehend all that he is. When we talk about God, we have the Father, we have the Son, and we have the Holy Spirit. They are, listen, three persons, but one God. Three persons, one God. If you can figure that out, you're better than I am. Look at, look at two scriptures that give us some insight. Matthew 28 says this, Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Now these are just two scriptures that are repeated and are shown to us over and over and over again throughout all of Scripture. 2 Corinthians 13 says, The grace of the Lord Jesus Christ and the love of God and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with you. Three persons. God, the Lord Jesus, the Son, God, the Father, and God, the Holy Spirit. 
What we see in these two passages and what's supported throughout the Bible is this concept, a very simple picture of the concept that we call the Trinity. The three in one. So let me, let me just keep kind of unfolding this for a few moments here with us. This concept that is supported by the word but is so unreachable for us to understand. One writer put it this way. God is one. He exists and he reveals himself in three persons. Each having a distinctive purpose in the Godhead. Okay, you got that? Three persons, one God. So, before we go any further, and before you make the mistake of thinking, I understand that, let me confuse you so you can join the rest of us. Here's a picture that we have in Matthew chapter 3. Matthew chapter 3, Jesus is being baptized, and it says as soon as Jesus was baptized, he went up out of the water. At, the moment, at that moment, heaven was opened, and he saw the Spirit of God descending like a dove and lighting on him. And a voice from heaven said, This is my Son, whom I love. With him I am well pleased. So you've got the Son, who's just been baptized. You've got the Spirit descending upon the Son from heaven. And you've got the Father in heaven saying, This is my Son, in whom I'm well pleased. There's three of them, and yet they're one. The Bible teaches without a doubt that God the Holy Spirit, we're talking about the Holy Spirit in this series, God the Holy Spirit is co-equal, co-existent, and co-eternal with God the Father and God the Son. The Holy Spirit is not a creation of God the Father or simply the Spirit of God the Father. He is God and always has been and always will be forever. He will be God. Nevertheless, Jesus Christ is not the Father. The Father is not the Holy Spirit. The Son is not the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is not the Son. And yet they are one and the same because they are God. Are you confused yet? <laughs> you know, it's, it's okay to be confused. There's, there's a lot of analogies out there, and maybe you have one. You're going to come up to me afterwards and try to explain it to me. This is how it works. It's like this or it's like this. And, and I tell you, I've read dozens and dozens of people who've written analogies about how the three in one, how they are and what they look like. And for every analogy I've ever heard somebody say, I've heard somebody else call it heresy. Because it, it, there's no analogy that we have that can bring the fullness of what this means. That they're three, but they're one. Just like God tells us that he placed the stars in the sky by the power of his word, we don't fully understand what that means, the power of his word. How does, how does his word have that kind of power? We accept that by faith by, as we look at the, at, the, at the order of the universe and we say somebody had to do it. It's in order. It's in balance. It's in perfect, uh, perfect unity. How did this happen? Somebody had to. God says, I did it by the power of my word. I created all things out of nothing. Reminded of the scientist who went to God and said, 
uh, we can create life. He said, go, go, like, just like you. He said, okay, go ahead. They get started to gather some. He said, no, no, no. They started to gather some dirt and some chemicals. He said, no, no, no. Get your own dirt. <laughs> God created everything out of nothing. Out of nothing. He created all things. Everything that we see, God created out of his word and his power. We can't comprehend that. Neither can we fully comprehend who he is. It's, it's beyond our grasp. It's why when we walk before him someday, saint and sinner alike will fall on their knees and say, he is Lord, just by a glimpse of him. He is Lord. Those who betray him, those who, those who are mad at him, those who are angry with him, those who don't understand what's happened to him on this earth will fall on their knees and go, oh, he is Lord. So it's better to, better to get there now. So if you think you have this Trinity thing figured out, instead of coming and trying to explain it to me, just write a book. <laughs> and then duck, because you're going to hear how you don't have it figured out by everybody else. Another writer put it this way. It is true that Jesus Christ is the, is the key figure in all God's plan. The Holy Spirit himself focuses attention on Christ and seeks to glorify him. The Holy Spirit is never treated as some vague influence or imperceptible energy. He is recognized as a real person with intelligence, feelings, and a will. It's the three in one, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. We don't want to degrade that feeling and Think that it's some, that he's something that it, that that he's he is God, and they are one. One preacher put it this way: said to try to power the church without the Holy Spirit is like trying to power Chicago with a flashlight battery. The Holy Spirit is a distinct person with a distinct job. The Holy Spirit is not an it. Jesus always refers to the Holy Spirit as a person. And we need to be careful with that. It is the Holy Spirit that moves on us today. Paul proclaimed this to mean that there's a person of the Holy Spirit we experience and we get to experience his presence and his power. When you came to Christ and were born again, it's because the Holy Spirit moved on you, revealed truth to you, and you followed the leading of the Holy Spirit, and his power changes you. It's the Holy Spirit that gives us strength and guides us. Charles Spurgeon, one of the great preachers in the history of the church, had it right when he bluntly called out to pastors and churches, and he said this to them, death and condemnation to the church that is not yearning after the Spirit, crying and growing and groaning until the Spirit of God has wrought mightily or worked mightily in our midst. He is here. He has never gone back since Pentecost. Brethren, if we do not have the Spirit of God, it were better to shut the churches, nail the doors, put on a black cross, uh, preach and say, God, have mercy on us. It's the Holy Spirit's role 
to guide and direct the church, to fill the church, to lead the church, to bring life and transformation into the lives of people that need them. The Holy Spirit is the way God is present with his people today. That's good news. So if we're going to preach the gospel, honoring the third person of the Trinity is both necessary and inevitable. He's not just a phantom. He's not an associate God. He is is God here, God now, God where it counts. No one is saved without his work of conviction and conversion. No one develops holiness of heart without the Holy Spirit's continuing work. No one is empowered for witnessing and service apart from the Holy Spirit. We need the Holy Spirit. You need the Holy Spirit. And so think about, I want you to, before I move on, I, I just want to get this concept. He is fully God. Just like we honor God the Father, just like we recognize God the Son and the work he's done, We need to recognize God the Spirit and recognize that they are in complete unity and yet they are not they, they are one. And yet they are they. And if you're confused, join the club. Now, there are some distinctive roles of the Holy Spirit. And, and that's where we really get down to the practical application of this today. I read this week one man, and he said that, that throughout the Bible that they have identified 150, 150 distinct works of the Holy Spirit that they've identified through Scripture. So what we want to do today is take the time to look at each and every one of those and dive into all their meanings. <laughs> Just kidding. We're going to look at a couple of big ones today, and over the next few weeks, we're going to talk about a couple more of the big ones. And on Wednesday nights, they're diving into the gifts of the Spirit and how the gifts of the Spirit work. But even if we took the rest of this year, we couldn't cover all 150 of the distinctive works of the Holy Spirit in our life. But as you read the Bible and pay attention to the Bible, you will find things that the Holy Spirit will reveal to you about what he wants to do in your life and how he works in your life. But let me start with one that if, this is just so practical for us and so important for us to get. The Holy Spirit is the author of the Bible. That was one of his distinctive works. We have the Word of God, the Bible, because the Holy Spirit moved upon men. In 2 Peter it says this, knowing this first of all, that no prophecy of Scripture comes from someone's own interpretation. For no prophecy was ever produced by the will of men, but but the men of God, but men spoke from God as they were carried along by the Holy Spirit. We talk about the Bible being the inspired word of God, that men were carried along by it that the, the word of God was, is given to us by the Spirit using men as a, as a tool to reveal his word to us so we can walk in the power and the understanding of who God is and how this whole thing works. So when we talk about the Holy Spirit, 
we need to understand these many, many works of the Holy Spirit. Sadly, some people just narrow all of the work of the Holy Spirit down to one manifestation of the Spirit. But he's much more than that. We're going to talk about that manifestation in a few weeks. But, but here's a place where I can really help us all today if you'll, if you'll hear this. Do you have troubles? Listen, if you never have any troubles, you should be up here giving a testimony every Sunday. I got through another week and not a trouble in the world came my way. I'm 52 years old and I've never faced a problem. That, that'd be a miracle. Do you have any fears? Some of us are too prideful to admit that we have fears. But the enemy tries to attack us with fears. He tries to put troubles up on us. I, I, I know he does me. I know he tries to get my heart to be weighed down with troubles. I know he, he tries to whisper fears into my ear. Now what do I do about that? That's the question. How do we as Christians combat the circumstances of life, the worries of life, the fears of life, the threats of the enemy. We need to breathe into us the living Word of God revealed and inspired by the Spirit of God into our spirits. See, when you have a trouble, you have a worry, you are, to, to, to see if this is right, aren't you attacked on two levels? You're attacked here in the mental level. You start thinking about it. You start playing it over and over again in your, in your mind. It starts working on you. And it's just kind of churning around in there. And, 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 you know, you're sitting at dinner maybe with your family, and they're all talking and having a good time. You're down there, and your mind's just going like this on your trouble. You go to bed at night, and you want to sleep, and what happens? Your mind kicks into your problem. You, you know, you... you you, you go, you maybe you sit and watch TV or you do something, your mind gets off of it for a few minutes, you turn the TV off, you think, wow, I'm glad I feel so much better. Now, what was I part of? Oh, yeah. And it comes right back into your head, doesn't it? But it's not only there. You also get attacked in your heart or in your spirit. And it feels heavy. It feels weighty. It's worrisome. It weighs us. We talk about it weighing us down. Are you getting this? How many of you have ever been? Be honest now. Have you ever had both of those things going on in your life? Because we're going to have the rest of you come and give a testimony. Uh, that's what happens. The Psalms are great for this. That's why we have the Psalms. I, I try to read, uh, I, I tell you all the time, I read Pro, chapter Proverbs every day. And get through Proverbs once, get through Proverbs once a month, and try to read five chapters of the Psalms every day. I try to do that before I go to bed at night. You know why I do it before I go to bed at night? Because now I got the promises of God's word in me instead of the threats of this world in me. And and what happens is you read the Psalms, you see the psalmist who had fears like we have fears, who have troubles like we have troubles, sometimes worse troubles. There's many times I'm reading about. One of the psalmists told me, I think about something that's bugging me, and I think, well, at least I don't have guys with horses and swords and, 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 and spears coming to kill me. It's not that bad. I got some problems, but it's not that bad. 
Got some enemies, but not like that kind of enemies. Not where they're trying to absolutely destroy me in every way. And you read what these guys write. And as you read what they write, they come to a point in their writing where their hope turns to God. And their trust turns to God. And they say, this is going on. But I know you are with me. This is happening. But I know you're going to rescue me. Now, this is going on. But I know you will, you will encompass around about me and you will, you will go before me and that you're my provider and you're my hope and you're my strength. And you begin to read that. Now, it's important. It's important because this is really important here. You don't want to just read it. You do want to read it. You want to get it in your mind. So there are times when I'll, I'll take a scripture, I'll copy it off, I'll put it on my iPhone, and I'll lay it right next to my bed. I'm worried about something. And I read a promise. I'm reading through the psalm. I see a promise. Oh, God, that's true. You're, you're with me. You're not going to let me down. You're gonna, you're, I can count on you. And throughout the night, the enemy will wake me up and say, what about this, this? And I'll get that. I'll just pick up my phone and read it again. Just read it again. There it is. That's what, Satan, that's what about that. You want to know what about that? Right there it is. God is with me. He is my refuge. He is my strength. He is my protector. He will be with me. Now, it's important it doesn't stay there. I want, it to, I want to keep it there, but it's important that it goes here too. i got to breathe that into me. God, thank you for this great promise. I receive this promise, God. You know, Father, you know how the enemy's trying to weigh me down right now. You know how he's trying to fill me with fear. You know how he's trying to fill me with doubt. And I'll stand back here sometimes, get ready to walk in here. The enemy will say, yeah, all those people are going to be looking at you, and they're not going to like what you're going to say today. God, I'm only telling them what you told me to say to them. God, help me today. Why? Because we want to breathe it into our spirit. This is where some Christians have failed. We, 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 there's some Christians, they know the word. They've never breathed into their spirit. They've never let it come alive in them. They've never learned how to use the inspired word of God that the Holy Spirit is speaking to us through the written word, how to use and allow the Holy Spirit through his word to come alive in us, to give us hope in the time of hopelessness and peace in the time of trial. Are you getting this? I'm looking at the clock, and I've got about 20 minutes to go, and we've got about one minute to leave. <laughs> Listen, I'm going I'm to wrap it up with, with just a couple things. Some Christians have more faith in their problems than they have faith in the Spirit. They are still in their understanding instead of kingdom of God understanding. You try to breathe hope into them. You try to speak a word of hope into them. And this is what you get. But, 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 but. Stop it. In the name of Jesus, just stop it. Your, your, your faith is in your fears instead of in his promises. At some point in time, by the conviction of the Holy Spirit, you've got to realize God has said things. He means them. He keeps his word. If I can count on heaven, I can count on his word. I can count on his truth. I can count on him. The enemy might, will try to whisper in your ear that you can't count on him for, for salvation. His word says you can. He'll go with you. 
Now listen, I'm going to tell you one last, one quick thing. Sin, we need to allow the, the Spirit to do two other things, and these are on your notes there, and I don't have time to go into them. The Spirit has to be allowed to convict us of sin. Because sin will keep me ensnared to the enemy. So I've got to open my heart to the Spirit and say, Spirit of God, convict me of sin. Convict me of those things that bind me in the hand of the enemy. Don't let me continue in them in ignorance, in pride, in fear, in desire. Convict me of them. And seal me. Let me have the evidence of your spirit working in me that when the enemy gives me another threat, I can see your promise. Listen, I'm telling you, this is the most practical thing I can tell you about walking a life in the spirit today to have victory in him. Breathe the spirit into your life. One last scripture. Here's one of the scriptures I love, Psalm 40, 17. As for me, I am poor and needy, but the Lord takes thought for me. You are my help and my deliverer. Oh, do not delay, oh my God. There's three things happening here. It's almost like the psalmist is looking at, at people around him saying, look, I, I know I'm, I'm poor and in need. I know it. I know it. But then, then, he, then he begins to talk to himself. But wait a second. Wait a second. The Lord takes thought of me. I am poor and needy, but the Lord takes thought of me. The Lord knows who I am. The Lord knows me, and he loves me, and he cares for me. And then he, it's almost like he takes the next direction to God. Oh, God, do not delay. Do not delay. You are my help and my deliverer. You are my help and deliverer. And I, I want to tell you, there's a simple pathway there for you to have victory over your fears and your troubles, to get that thing to get lifted off of your spirit, to get your mind in the right place. Yeah, I'm poor and needy, but the Lord knows me. God in heaven, deliver me. Don't delay. Amen? Let's stand together today. Give the Lord a clap offering if you believe this today. Now listen, in, in, the, in, in John, Nicodemus, he comes to Jesus and Jesus cuts to the quick of things and he tells him, you must be born again. Not you might be or you should be, it would be good if you are. Now if you're going to see the kingdom of God, if you're going to get the kingdom of God, you're going to understand how this thing works and how it is, you've got to be born again. And Nicodemus is like, just like we do when we think about the Holy Spirit and, and three and one, how in the world can that be? And Jesus makes it clear to him, listen, you've got to be born of water, but you've also got to be born of the Spirit. You've got to be born of the Spirit. You've got to be born again. And I want to, challenge, I want to ask you today, have you crossed that line of faith? Have you asked Christ into your life and put your faith in him? Have you let the Holy Spirit tug on your heart and say, I don't want to just know about God. I don't want to just be a churchgoer. I want to be born again. I want, to be, I want to be able to see and know the kingdom of God. I want to know heaven is my home. This is one of the distinct works of the Holy Spirit. Jesus pays the price for us, and the Holy Spirit comes 
and applies the work in us and we're born again. I want to challenge you to make the most important decision of your life and just to look at somebody and say, you know what, I, I, I just want to make sure my heart's right with God today. You'll bless some people and God will bless you and your eternity will be forever changed. Thank you for worshiping with us today. God bless you. Go in the joy of the Lord. Grace and peace.